Don't you understand, Peg? This woman's self-defense is against nature. Take the mighty wildebeest, for example. He hunts, while the wildebeestess just stays on her couch watching the Oprah beastess. <laughs> then there's the ant. She just sits there all day and lays eggs, while the male is off dragging those heavy Budweiser bottles down that anthill. And I'll give you another example. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. I am unbelievably excited to welcome you back to the Married with Children podcast. And it's a trans-Pacific event today as we welcome a special guest as we review The Weaker Sex. My name is Annabelle and I'm missing nunchucks to the NADS day this week in my karate class. Oh, pity you missing that class, uh, Annabelle, because... uh my name is Matt, and I just got out of being dragged to the extended screening of the Bridges of Madison County. I'm feeling rather traumatized. And my name's Tyler, and does this voice sound like the voice of a cheater? Okay, I cheated. <laughs> hi, hi, Annabelle. Hi, Matt. I'm so happy to be back down under. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us and making the trip across the Pacific. Pull up a VB. <laughs> Man, listeners, I know we've said it before, but I'll say it again. It It is almost as difficult as buying a ticket and getting jet lagged to going to Australia to do recordings with these two wonderful people. I, I'm willing to do the work, but it is... Like, we deserve... This podcast deserves, like, a special award that we can make up for the effort of like recording over different continents it is awesome perhaps like a like a shootucky derby <laughs> just just some just a statue of like uh, a fat guy like sleeping in an airplane seat with headphones on <laughs> i reckon chris could hook us up with that maybe well maybe next time i think he could yeah and perhaps next time we'll come to you yeah, definitely. I'd love to come to the good old US of A and, uh, yeah, check out good old Michigan and Texas and New Jersey. Nah, don't do that. It's, it's a, that's, that's a dangerous trip. Don't, nah. <laughs> well, we are reviewing The Weaker Sex. As I said, this is Season 10, Episode 6. Peggy and Marcy enroll in a self-defense class, much to the chagrin of Al, who thinks that a woman could never be as manly as a man. But when Peg wrestles a pickpocket while Al stands idly by, the local news hears about it and labels Al a Weasley man. He then must devise a scheme to win back his self-respect. Written by Devorah Inwood and directed by Amanda Burse. And originally aired October 22nd, 1995. 
Tonight, is Al Bundy leading a double life? What are you doing? You take me out at night and sniff other men? There's more Married with Children next. I didn't read out the synopsis on IMDb because just before we started, I read it and it's absolute shite. It says Peg takes up a self-defense class and then Al feels emasculated and then Kelly suggests Al takes Peg out on a romantic date. That's the first five minutes of the episode. Wow, that's so lazy. I know, I, I, I've I had mean, it's it with all these correct. IMDb things. Huh? It's all correct, at least. Partially, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, nothing they said is wrong. No, it's just like, where's the meat of the episode? <laughs> And our guest cast in this episode consists of Harold Sylvester as Griff, Teresa Parente as Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal, Joseph Reitman as Genghis, Dot Jones as Dot, Jody Mullinax as Thunder, Jonathan Farn as Camera Person, Deanna Boer as Biker Chick, Mike McKenna as Bartender, Bruce Michael Payne as Biker. Steve Valentine as Guy in Line, Jeb Stewart as the interviewer, and Kim Weisskopf as the voice of Lucky the Dog. So, we open at the shoe store. Al and Griff are having a horse race. Alright, Griff, get your horse back in the gate. Is my fly open again? (laughs) I'm talking about your shoe horse, you big Airedale. Come on! The Blub Aerobics class next door is getting ready to start in a couple of seconds. All right. So what we got riding on this one, Big Al? Loser gets to use the bathroom last. (laughs) Stinky seconds? (laughs) You bet. (laughs) Let's rock. I thought they were building something. That was my first thought. Like I, I like popped, the, I popped the episode on. I leaned back. And I just had just woken up, so I was really tired. And when Griff like walks over to those two by fours, I was like, "Oh man, these idiots got so much time on their hands. They're gonna, they're building something." And then I look and when they sit down and actually start it, I'm like, <laughs> "Ah, nah, this is much better." This sounds like something that me... This honestly looks like something me and my friends would do. Yeah, they've got the right. racetrack and everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of time to focus on that because Al comes into the room and the audience does not shut up for a good 15 seconds or so. But yeah, they're having, they're having a horse race. Well, I say horses. It's a shoe horse. And I don't know why they don't say horseshoe. <laughs> Because they're not horseshoes they're racing. They're shoes racing as horses. Yes, I know. <laughs> but Al, Al even calls Griff an Airedale. They're an Airedale Terrier. They're also called a Bingley Terrier and a Waterside Terrier. And it's a dog breed of the Terrier type, oddly enough, that originated in the valley in the dale of the River Eyre in Yorkshire. Yes. Yeah, a show set in Chicago making reference to a breed of dog which which name came from a river that goes through the middle of Leeds in England. So they're doing a horse race with human shoes, a horseshoe race with human shoes, making jokes about dogs. I love this show. <laughs> oh, I like I liked that, yeah. Man, you could smell the weed the writers were smoking from here. <laughs> <laughs> 
But we do get a Let's Rock from Al, and I, I feel like we haven't heard one of those for a while. Yeah, that was so weird. I was like, is this the one that the original? Is this the OG? Because it Al just does it. Ed O'Neill does it so well. I thought, wow, it, it sounds like the original. It does. It sounds like a like a proper traditional original. Let's rock. You're right. It's got that sound. But and and I forget it was here because I wasn't expecting it. And until just before he said it, I thought, wow, I haven't heard that for a while. Hmm. Yeah, season... And I was very pleased to hear it. Season 10's weird, and I want to get this out of the way now while I remembered it. Um, we, at this time... We, we've done the... You guys have done the wrap-up show, and I'm... Because I missed it again, because I'm a workaholic, like Al, except my work matters. And, um... <laughs> uh, but one of the things I've noticed about season 9, and I'm thinking from how far I'm into season 10 my theory is getting verified that the writers, actors, everyone were pretty sure that season nine was going to be their last season. I don't know if, if everyone thought that it was going to get canceled or somebody was going to walk off and end the whole thing. I don't know, but it just seemed like everyone thought season nine was going to be the end. And now that season 10 is here, everyone's still kind of checked out. So now they're like, well, we can just do whatever the heck we want, which is why most episodes are kind of becoming balls to the walls crazy, including this one. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, Certainly something worth considering. I don't know if they thought they were going to be cancelled at the end of season nine, but it could have been a possibility. But I think with the 200th episode and, and all the specials around that time, um, the show was still um, still popular and everything. So I don't think it was going to be cancelled. But you're right. Not cancelled, ended. Yeah, like maybe somebody... Like still on maybe top like, kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think to some extent, some of them are acting, for lack of a better word, on autopilot or slightly checked out. I said this in the wrap-up show for season nine, but season 10 is going to be very interesting. I think, and, and when we get to the season 10 wrap-up show, I think that discussion is going to be interesting, and we will revisit um, your line of questioning, <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> yes, that's a good thought, Tyler. I never thought about that before. I mean, part of what you thought said makes sense, especially with the changes in the writers in season 10, like all these new writers, and uh, as, as you both mentioned, it's a bit um, all over the place this season. Uh, yeah, I never thought of season 10, or 11 for that matter, that, that way before, but it actually is a really good theory, thinking about it. Uh, yeah, and it makes me wonder, what could have been if Married to Children ended in season 9? Uh, well, that's obviously a whole other kettle of fish. And it has nothing to do with the um, the the actors are still doing good and the uh, the writers are still doing good. I'm not saying I'm seeing a decline in quality. It's more of like a subtextual reading, something that um, the podcast Talking Simpsons has turned me on to. The Simpsons recently they're doing season twelve, which something that I, as a Simpsons fan, don't subscribe to. That. The only good seasons are seasons 1 through 12. I don't like that, because I think that's some nasty nostalgia, kind of like, oh, it's only, the older stuff is only the good stuff. I don't like that. I think it's kind of a boomer mentality that is kind of sad. But 
I've noticed that a lot of the writer, the show started kind of going off the rails, and I apparently they actually have the stuff that we don't have for Married with Children, uh, showrunners and writers actively saying in interviews, yeah, everyone was sure the show was going to be over. We were on season. Once you go into double digits like of a season, like shows just got canceled uh, or like people drop out, main stars leave, big writers and producers go, and we were just kind of running the clock off. And mm. then, boom, we got put for another one, and we didn't pre-plan the the new season out as well as we should have, and we kind of had to make a bunch of wacky episodes. So I've, I've noticed this with other shows, too, and it, it's making me wonder, like, ooh, is this why, like, in, in not just to Simpsons or Married with Children, even shows nowadays, where all of a sudden main cast members will just drop out and then other cast members will get more attention. And I'm like, huh, why are they do? Oh, someone wasn't planning on being on this show, probably. And they're still on, but they didn't have anything planned for them. That makes so. sense, especially because, you know, people would you know, shake things up, not get typecast. I mean, being typecast is pretty significant in the acting world, so that's understandable why someone would want to drop out of a show at that point. And uh, I've noticed this for both, well, the, the whole craziness of both live-action and animated shows, because I was watching some South Park last night from season 15. That's up to season 24 now, and uh, yeah, I can, I can vouch that the plot lines for that show have gotten crazier and crazier as they got along, too. Absolutely. I mean, some of the some of the early ones could have happened in real life, but some of the later ones, you think, yeah, no, that could not happen. You could not have a family feeding the kids Dr Pepper and not get caught, for example. Exactly. And uh, Annabelle, I totally wonder if you if you agree with me on this because you have more of a experience tracking married with children knowledge and everything. Would you say that the only one of the main family? of Married with Children that has become whose actor and career was kind of cemented would be Al Bundy. Wait, wait, Al Bundy. See, I just did it. Would be Ed (laughs) O'Neill. Because I've seen every other actor in the family in a different role that's completely separate from their identity in Married with Children, and they've aced it. I can't see Ed O'Neill as anything but an Al Bundy. Yeah, I think that's fair to an extent. Um, it doesn't help that his other famous show, Modern Family, has a character that's very similar to Al in a lot of ways, whether yeah. or not that's intentional or, or not. But, you know, you see on the internet, people have described jay pritchett as al bundy who won the lottery kind of thing got rich and yeah. divorced his wife and married a younger woman so they do have a lot of similarities and i don't think that's going to help him but at the same time he may not give a shit i don't know but um i don't think it's coincidence i think that original character was probably written completely different and i don't think test audiences could see anything else but al bundy Mm, I agree. Uh, and I don't think Ed O'Neill particularly minds. It brought him back, helped him make some more money. He obviously liked doing the character because he did it. He did play for Jay for um, 10 plus years. And, uh, well, he's in his mid-70s now. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure he'd be happy to still act. But uh, to be honest, I think he's happily just, uh, well, doing whatever he wants to do now. 
It's a compliment. It's a compliment to his like ability as an actor. I just it was something I was thinking about when I I just watched all of Sons of Anarchy. Oh, uh, recently, and oh my god, like I was like, I'm, am I going to be able to? Am I going to be able to? You know, handle no uh, hearing Peggy in this biker gang, serious biker gang at She breaks it in three seconds oh yeah i never see peggy or leela i'm terrified of her (laughs) so yeah (laughs) so there you go (laughs) that's yeah i mean she is phenomenal and yeah she completely she's got these iconic tv characters and say say the three iconic tv characters that she has peg Gemma, and leela they're all extremely different people and I think that's testament to her and her ability and also the roles that she's chosen or perhaps in Sons of Anarchy's case, the role of Gemma was written with her in mind. Yes, it was written by her own husband, but he put her in mind and said, please, please play this part. And she still had to get tested and everything and it, and it worked. But it's very interesting you mentioned Sons of Anarchy because in relation to this episode in particular, especially when we get to the biker bar. Oh, yeah. That's... That's kind of that's hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. And I just before we go back to the episode, Annabelle, you, you're gonna laugh so hard when I put this into your head because it never came until now in my own. But Gem, if you <laughs> if there is somewhere a scene like a back like a cut scene for Sons of Anarchy where Gemma does her <laughs> where she does a Miss Piggy. oh Oh, i can't think of such a scene but oh my god because she does it like there's she she was channeling leela in this episode so many times just the and it just reminded me i'm like oh she is doing a miss piggy hiya (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so cute but uh, we're not talking about The Simpsons or Sons of Anarchy right now. We're talking about Married with Children. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're still on the opening scene, but that's cool. Um, these are all things to think about later. But now we're at the Shootucky Derby. Well, yes. I should say Kentucky, Kentucky Derby. <laughs> but yeah, it is the Kentucky Derby, of course. And it's a horse race held in Louisville. And it's always on the first Saturday in May. Three, two, one. And they're off! Come on, let's see how this is! Oh, oh, my God, no! Come on, let's see how this is! Oh, my God, no! Let's see how this is! Huh? Oh, forget your grandmama! Huh? Forget your grandmama! What happened? Well, the hungry hippos over there worked out for a whole seven seconds. <laughs> it's probably time for a cheese break. <laughs> well, how are we gonna settle this race now? I got an idea. Jerk chicken at the food court, man! <laughs> so, basic Kentucky Derby, the Shootucky Derby. Sorry, I'll say Derby because we're in America now. And Al has said, let's rock. And then we hear hot stuff coming from the aerobic studio next door. <laughs> I had forgotten what that punchline was until like, I, I forgot for like two seconds what was going on. And then I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the aerobic studio. 
This is the aerobic studio that was erected, so to speak, at the start of this season in a showroom with a view. Yes. But it started with fat women and then they brought in all the beautiful women. But now they're saying the hungry hippos are back. So what happened? What, where did the beautiful women go? To a better, less uh, gross, leery uh, aerobic studio. <laughs> yes, I think so too. <laughs> yes, to a better one that... Uh, Probably, I think Alan Griff probably scared them all the way. Yeah, I think they did too, because they were probably coming across town as well. But um, in this in this Shutucky Derby, I didn't catch the name of Al's horse, if he did have a name. But the name of Griff's horse is Seattle Shoe. And that's a reference to Seattle Slough, which was a famous champion racehorse from... Uh, well, it says here the Seattle Slough was alive from 1974 to 2002, but it's a racehorse became the 10th winner of the American Triple Crown in 1977, and was only one of two horses to have won the Triple Crown, Triple Crown, Triple Crown, while undefeated in any previous race, and the second was Justify, as more recently as 2018, and Justify is descended from Seattle Slough. And Seattle Slough was the 1977 Horse of the Year. Wow, see, that's such a good joke. Because at front, it sounds like a really lazy title for his horse. Mm. But for his shoe, like Seattle Shoe. But then to find out it's a pun on Seattle Slough is just, that's just really good. I wouldn't have gotten that. Well, I, I had to wonder why why is there Seattle in his horse name? It's got to be a pun or a play on something. It had to be. So yeah, and but I didn't get the name of Al's horse. The only word I could pick out uh, of all the commotion there was the word knockout. So does he have a a shoe a horse shoe called knockout? Is there a famous horse with that sort of name? Did anybody catch anything else? I didn't catch um, the knockout um, bit of Al, Al, Al Shu's name. Uh, I just I just was mesmerised by the um, shoe race, and when the earthquake above stops, the way Griff uh, manages to um, trigger another earthquake uh, by getting the hungry, hungry hippos out. <laughs> in a, in a quite a good Jamaican accent, my ad. Yes, uh, I yeah. suppose only he could do that. <laughs> It, well, no, I mean, the, much like the Scottish uh, accents, uh, peop, almost anybody can do a Jamaican accent and not get cancelled. Okay. For, so, for some weird reason, I'm not sure. And by the way, I decided to do a little, I did a quick search while you guys were talking to see if there was any famous Kentucky Derby, uh, Kentucky Derby, that Derby, Derby. <clears throat> you got me doing it, Annabelle. Uh, a famous uh, horse race named Knockout. And I couldn't find it, but I did find a list of the 2015 Kentucky Field Horses. And um, these are just some some of the names. Uh, There's Carpe Diem, American Pharaoh, Frosted, Materiality, Upstart, Far Right, It's a Knockout, Firing Lane... War Story, and this is my favorite, Ocho, Ocho, Ocho. Three separate Ochos with spaces. And the one who came in dead last, who would have been the one I would have chosen, Keen Ice. K-E-E-N space Ice. 
<laughs> These poor horses. <laughs> All right. There's a British show that's been on forever and ever called It's a Knockout. Um, yeah, yeah, It's a Knockout's been on for years. But yeah, I couldn't think what Al's horse was called. Uh, someone out there knows, please let me know, because it will drive me mad. That's very. That's one of one of those very trivial things that bother me. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what Al's horse is called, and I couldn't really pick up what he was saying, and the subtitles didn't help either. Anyway, when Griff is distracted, <laughs> creating another earthquake, um, Al cheats. Is this the face of a cheater? <laughs> Am I going to have to check that surveillance camera again? Uh-huh. Oh, all right. I, I, I cheated. And I ate your lunch. Drank your vanilla shake. Al, that was kale pectate. Still the best lunch I've had in years. It's so silly. Just putting that hand on... Uh, uh, it's so subtle. The way... Like, I think I said it before we started recording. It looks the way, like, a, a father would cheat on his 10-year-old kid. He's like, hey, uh, go, go grab me a drink from the fridge. And while you're going, you, like, move a bunch of pieces on the board, just slightly. Ugh. Dad's out there in our in our audience. What parents done this? I'm sure we got some. Admit it. Out loud on the chat on, on Facebook. Have you cheated with your child because you knew you could get away with it? I know you did. (laughs) Well, Al straight up admits that he did. And he also ate Griff's lunch and drank his vanilla shake. I say that was not a vanilla shake. That was kale pectate. I thought thought Griff said kale pectate, as in the leaf kale. (laughs) Oh, the superfood? Yeah. Yeah. This is kale pectate. Which is a, a some sort of medication. It's orally taken. Um, it's for the treatment. It's Pepto Bismol. Yeah. Basically. Well, I've got written here. It's for the treatment of mild diarrhea. <laughs> you know, kaopeptate. Actually, this is the second time I've heard that term in the past two days. Um, I've been uh, I've been recovering from being sick, and when I have a sick day, when I stay home from work, I watch an episode of all my favorite uh, TV show episodes of where characters are also sick. It's a very disgusting way to spend your time, but like, you know what? I'm sick, they're sick. And I was watching the episode of All in the Family where Cousin Maud shows up and all the family is sick. And it's great because you need a dictionary because they're talking about medicine that doesn't exist anymore. uh, Archie wants the 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 ko peptate, and she brings him milk of magnesia, and he runs downstairs. He's like, "You mixed up the milk of magnesia with a ko peptate? How could you do that? That's like mixing up, um, that's like mixing up windshield washer fluid with radiator seal." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's a great. That's a classic episode, by the way. That's the first time we ever see uh, the character of Maud. Uh, yes, it's one of my favourite um, being sick episodes. I also obviously also love Out Out with Kelly. That that classic one from season five of Married to Children. On, on the subject, I also love the South Park episode where they get all get chicken pox and Cartman has a bath in a whole bathtub of calamine lotion. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting, but I love it. It's like. Where's my, where's- 
He's like, where's my cat of my nation? And he like pours a whole bar full of it and gets in. He's like, ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite? Uh, <laughs> what's your favorite sick? Uh, we're having a sick day episode of a show, Annabelle. Uh, well, I go to Married with Children first, of course. So that Al and Kelly episode is what I think of when someone's sick. There's also, speaking of Maud, it's not Maud, but it's the Golden Girls. There's an episode where the three main girls, you know, Blanche, Dorothy and, and um, Rose are all sick and they're sitting on the couch and they do the the monkey thing, you know, the speak no evil, hear no evil, uh, see no evil. Yeah, that's that's the image that comes to mind. So that's they're the first two that, that I think of, yeah. I did all of those, and I added a, a new one into my repertoire, thanks to Disney+. Plus. I don't know if you two are familiar with the very popular, when I was a teenager, show Kim Possible. Oh, yes. I remember that one. Uh, I, I've heard of the show. I've never seen it. Oh, if you have Disney+, Plus, Annabelle, you would love it. It's a really smart James Bond ripoff. <clears throat> there is a lot of good humor in the show that I did not appreciate, and there's an episode where... They get sick, but all the characters throughout the show get sick one after the other. And it's really like, huh, Kim Possible was sick. I hope I don't get sick. And then they're like laid up in bed and everybody is just having um, just a sick day over and over. And the characters have to fight each other and literally have to do timeout while they both sneeze and everything. It's... It's really good. They, uh, they And they get all the sick day jokes you can think of. <laughs> There's one more sick episode I can think of. It's The Simpsons. And it's Marge and Chains. When all the family is sick except Marge. And she goes to the Quickie Mart. And she's so exhausted that she gets arrested. And I mentioned that. Two things. One of my favorite Simpsons quotes where Homer asks. Or the kids ask for the Flintstones chewable morphine. And also, that episode, Marge and Chains, has a Married with Children parody in it. So, when uh, Rod and or Todd uh, is sick, and he's quote-unquote speaking in tongues, Ned and Maud Flanders are wondering, why has God forsaken them? And they flash back to when Ned laughed at watching Married with Children, and said, watch Fox and be damned for all eternity. Yes, I remember that one. Wow, I I remember that episode, but I totally forgot about the Married with Children reference. And, by the way, uh, that All in the Family episode I mentioned, that they were homaging that episode with Marge rushing back and forth because that's what Edith's doing at the beginning of that Mary, uh, All in the Family episode. Yes. Yes. It's all intertwined. <laughs> it is. So, Tyler, I hope you took your peptate and you are feeling better now. I actually did go and grab some Tums when he said peptate because I'm like, oh, yeah, I need some of that. <laughs> Best lunch I had in years. <laughs> Well, in our case, it's probably the only lunch she's had in years. Yeah. So anyway, Peg now comes in and she brings the plot of the episode with her. Al, I need $250. (laughs) You're not taking that self-defense class, are you? No, I'm buying you a very special gift. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I'm taking the self-defense class. Marcy already signed me up. Peg, I'm not wasting my money like I wasted my youth on you. Self-defense is not a waste of money. We live in a bad neighborhood. Peg, you live on the couch. (laughs) 
The only danger you face getting your head stuck in a Haagen-Dazs carton. Peg, or as Al refers to her, a waste of money, all of a sudden needs $250 uh, when, just, when Al and Griff are just talking about the $250 for the self-defense class, women's self-defense, oh, which by the way, in 2021 money is $448.76, and in Australian money, you are talking $618.17. Wow, what kind of class is this? And by the way, guys, either exchange rate or inflation rate, dollar a pound, still working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I don't know how many classes she's doing, but it seems to go on for a few weeks. So, if that was, say, a 10-week course, I suppose that's money well spent. Yeah, that'd be like $45 a class if it's 10. And uh, I also noticed that Peg mentions they apparently live in a bad neighbourhood. Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. The Bundys do bring the, the house values down. But I never thought of the bunt of Jeopardy Lane being in a rough or bad neighbourhood myself. That's just me. It's not. Their neighbourhood's a couch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's Chicago. I mean, Roseanne did this kind of sometimes too. Like, you would forget... That I guess Chicago was going through bad times at that time because, like, every once in a while they would have to remind the rest of America that Chicago is a dangerous city. Because you would just have episodes where they would open, they would say like, "Hey, come on, it's not a bad city out there," and you'd open up the door and you'd hear like gunshots and police sirens and everything. Yeah, Married Children literally did that at the beginning of Kelly Does Hollywood Part Two. They're like, oh, Hollywood's not like Chicago. Not like our quaint town of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always forget about that. Yeah, Ro- Roseanne did a, something similar as well. So I think it's probably something that <laughs> they have to like, we got to remind the rest of the world that Chicago is dangerous. <laughs> so, yeah, the only problem Peg has is potentially getting her head stuck in a Haagen-Dazs carton. <laughs> Which just makes me want to crave ice cream. Oh, I really want one of our artistic fans to make a drawing of that. I, I can see it so perfectly in my head. Her on the couch. Ow! I'm stuck! We're <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm stuck! <laughs> Come on, Al! Not funny! <laughs> yeah, not funny! <laughs> <laughs> Peg, let's face it, evolution has only equipped you women, made you strong enough to roll out of bed in the morning, squeeze yourself into your girdle, ooze down the stairs, and fry your man up a Pop-Tart. <laughs> Peg, the truth is, no woman could ever take a man. Uh-huh. You'd back me up on that, wouldn't you, Haas? Because see, Peg, we men are bigger, we're stronger, we're tougher, we're... <laughs> Dead meat. <laughs> Fried pop tarts. <laughs> ooze yourself. Ooze yeah. yourself down the stairs. I, I remember. Ooze yourself down the stairs. And, uh, <laughs> Fried pop tarts. Uh, sorry, I'll pass. <laughs> I think it sounds pretty good. Sorry. Ooze yourself. Yeah. Al starts making a point, you know, all women have to do is, you know, Ease yourself into your girdle, roll down the stairs, and fry your man up a Pop-Tart. I got three boxes downstairs in the cupboard, Annabelle. They're still popular. <laughs> it pops... Yeah, they... I, I don't know if 
Pop-Tarts are still popular, but they were huge in the 90s. Especially in Australia, they, we went through a phase of, yeah, everyone was eating Pop-Tarts in, in early high school, late primary school. Just pop them in the toaster. So I did like this counterpoint here of Al spewing all this macho stuff and then tries to get what he thinks is the man at the back of the store. Why he think a man would be in a female shoe store anyway and tries to get his opinion. But of course, this is not a man. It's a character we've seen before, a whole season ago, in fact. And her name is Dot. She's played by Dot Jones. And yeah, she's a like a six foot burly woman, but she's quite clearly a woman. And uh, she picks Al up and throws his glorious stunt dummy behind the shoe register. <laughs> you think... You think Ed O'Neill's got that stunt dubby in his house somewhere? Like it, <laughs> yes. it's awesome. I would totally take. He might. I would take it home if if they made a stunt dubby of me. Like that's coming home with me when the show wraps up. Yeah, I like to think so because um they would have they wouldn't have needed it anymore after the series ended. So I like to think um O'Neill got to keep it once the show was done. <laughs> Can I have that and take it home? Well, we have been using it to prop open the the back door. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead, take it. I think all the men on the show had dummies made up. Certainly, Al has one, Bud has one. In this episode, you see that Jefferson has one. I think all the no no ma'am guys have one. <laughs> <laughs> A dummy for a dummy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and by the way, uh, that what, what, did you, what was the name of the uh, of the actress that throws Al across the room? Uh, her name is Dot Jones. Uh, now she's Dot Marie Jones. Yeah, you say she's six foot. She got to be at least six foot three because Ed O'Neill's six foot one, and he has to look up at her like she is. Yeah, huge. Oh yeah, so. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, they're about... She's a bit taller than he is. Maybe she's wearing heels. I don't know. Yeah, she's a big woman. And um, I think nowadays... I mean, she's got a few credits to her name. But she was in a movie with David Faustino in about 2006. Oh, yeah? And she's probably known for being on Glee. She had a role on Glee. That was pretty good. She's also a famous... um, I say famous, but she's a well-known arm wrestling champion. I'm... Bet she is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so she could probably pick up Ed O'Neill herself Ugh. and just toss him over the thing. A pure assault, by the way. And you know <laughs> what? This is a this this is dating. L- let's get into this right now. This episode has a lot of old timey ways of thinking about masculinity and toxic masculinity. It has a lot to say about that, but it says it very tongue in cheek. Amanda Beers is directing, so I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of awareness in the writing. But right now, just the 2021 eyes, Al did not deserve to be thrown. Don't get me wrong. He deserves a lot of crap almost all the time. I will never, ever, ever say when he doesn't deserve something. But he missed. I, I would have thought that that was a man, too, personally. And... I don't know. I, uh, from a personal standpoint, I would have pressed charges if I was Al. I would have called the cops and been like, that woman assaulted me. And he probably did, and that's probably how this episode got started. Never mind. (laughs) 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 It's very interesting to watch the show in current climate. But anyway, that was a 
an interesting way to finish the scene. I just love that you see that dummy and he just folds up into a perfect, you know, yeah. <laughs> right at the waist, right at the crutch. He just folds over and double completely. Yeah, and I'm sorry I kind of like segued at that, uh, guys. Uh, I, I thought one of the things I just wanted to mention, how it's the, the episode's using society's views of masculinity it's not al being the perpetrator as an earlier episode would have it it would be all al and the rest of the world would be like no it's really good that you have a wife that can defend herself and possibly even defend you there's nothing wrong with that but the world is constantly going to be making fun of you for not being a tough man so it's not al's fault it's a systemic problem which in real life, that is what the problem is. Yeah, yeah, no, it's certainly a fair point. And I think there's something coming up later in the episode that I think is going to bring us back to that. And so we might touch on that a bit more later. But yeah, you're, definitely, you're certainly right. And yeah. Just wanted to throw that meat on the fire right there so we could bring it back up when it pops up. Yeah, because there's, there's, there are problems. And yeah, there's something down the line that we'll get to. Probably a few things. Probably, probably, yep. Anyway. Al, guess what? You got your black belt in nag foo. <laughs> Marcy and I have been promoted to the advanced self-defense class. <laughs> Aren't you happy for me? Do I look like a happy man? <laughs> you don't even look like a happy tree stump. Look, I'm going to go outside and practice my kicks with Marcy. Now, look, Peg, this self-defense class of yours has taken up way too much of your time and my paycheck. As the breadwinner and king of my castle, I demand that... <laughs> ...to be left alone! So now, it's a few weeks later, and Peg seems to be enjoying her karate lessons, and it, it, it's interesting to see her stick something out this long, but she must be really good at it or just having having a lot of fun well it did cost 250 dollars you know yeah and and al paid for it not her so um i'm <laughs> peg's wearing this white karate outfit and for those who know katie seagal is currently pregnant at this stage and she's starting to show ah, okay i was wondering about that so they put her in this <laughs> white karate outfit and that's why it's not done up ah because her waist is non-existent at the moment, so it, so it's making her look look heavier. Because I was like, that was bothering me. Because you can really tell when she's kicking in the uh, in the background, and you just see that coat that uh, the gi. That's what it's called, the yes. gi, like flap open. And I was like, I Dude. did karate, and you gotta tie that stuff. So I was like, huh. And then then Amanda Beer shows up. And she's t- has is all tied correctly. So I was like, so is Peg supposed to be sloppy? Is that the joke? Is that she's not good at this? <laughs> I totally forgot that she's that she's pregnant again. Yes, mm, I think you could you could um, I was going to say fan wank. <laughs> you could uh, fantasize that Peg is just wearing it because um, she doesn't care. But the real reason is because she's pregnant in real life. Nice. Yeah, I'll go back to my fan wank. <laughs> I did karate as a kid as well. Um, at times watching this episode, I, I, I think back on it fondly and I think, why didn't I stick with it? Especially, you know, in 20 years' time, I could have been a black belt or something. Um, I, I just don't think I had the time to really dedicate myself to it. But I did go up 
a couple of belts. It went from white, yellow, green, orange maybe, green, yeah, one of those. Anyway. Nice, nice work. I mean, I heard people who do karate can be prone to injuries. My best friend, uh, he used to do karate, but uh, always managed to his black belt, if I recall correctly. But he had, he had, an, he was just sick of the injuries, so he he sadly gave it, he sadly gave it up. But only because he was sick of the injuries. Yeah, I did karate myself too. I did it in college for a college credit, and I wanted to stick with it, but it's just it's one of those things where. Yeah, you fall out of it. So, and as for belts, I never went up in belts. I just went up in belt sizes. I'm up to a 42 inch belt right now. That's a it's a fat guy joke. Yeah. Yes, I got it. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I just I just because I went I did performing arts, so I had to stick with the dancing instead of the karate. Anyway. That would have paired very well. That would have your dancing would have paired very well with the martial arts. Yeah, I think so. All those high kicks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi-ya! Hi-ya! I think I know what it is, Daddy. You're just feeling lonely. Because ever since mom started taking her self-defense class, she hasn't paid you any attention. Isn't that it, you big galoots? <laughs> No, I like that part. I also like the part she's too tired at night to want to fool around. <laughs> I do kind of miss her calling me bullethead, though. Look, Daddy, a little lesson in women. All Mom wants is just a little tenderness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, if you really want Mom to stop taking karate, you've got to take her out. Well, don't you think I would if I thought I could get away with it? <laughs> So Al's feeling a little neglected. Yeah, poor Al. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. He does like bits of the neglected. For example, not having to be called to bed, uh, not have not being na- nagged, even though he calls um, Kung Fu Nag Fu. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, ranting to his uh, to his kids. May I add, Kelly looks amazing in a black jacket, mind you. Um, she she doesn't need anything really. Uh, but Al's wondering where to stick his head. But, of course, suggests the oven. There's a line that Al says where I I almost... I thought I was going to predict it, but I was wrong. I mean, I was right, but it not in the not in the perfect way. Uh, so Bud comes in and he goes, um, Oh, I forget how it's all set up. But basically, the kids are sitting on the couch, and he's like, It's your... It's your mother. He goes, Oh, well, what's wrong? He goes, um, Well, I woke up. And um, I immediately thought he was going to say, and she was there. But no, it's uh, I woke up and so and so did she. And you know how much that that makes me mad. <laughs> like I was, it, I just like how it it's the same pun, but just in a smarter written way. And I enjoyed that. Nice. So Peg is not showing Al as much attention as he would not admit to. <laughs> and so Al gets his shoe, or part of his shoe, back from Lucky, who came in with Bud and Kelly, and Al says, Now we know he can chew, maybe next time you can go for my throat. <laughs> uh, no thanks, I don't eat pork. <laughs> so, is Lucky Jewish? <laughs> yes. 
Oh, wow. I didn't go there. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Jewish, Muslim, Seventh-day Adventist, another religion that doesn't eat pork. I mean, if it's a Friday, he might be Catholic. I don't know. I know he's just calling Al a pig, but, you know, I had to wonder. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a lame joke, though, quite frankly. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think I'm building on, on what was intended. It was a dud. But anyway... Another joke I saw coming but still laugh at is um, if you want give mum some attention, you got to take her out. And Al says, well, don't, don't you think I, I could if I could get away with it? I think she means, you know, take her out on a date and yeah. show her some affection. <laughs> Romantic movies always work for me. A Happy Meal and a Hello Kitty pen set works for you, Kat. <laughs> Look, Dad, why don't you take Mom to go see The Bridges of Madison County? Now, I heard there's a new director's cut with 11 extra minutes of Clint Eastwood's sponge-bathing Meryl Streep. Is there no other way? Well, you could make love to her all night. Well, either way, I'll be eating Junior Mints and crying in the dark. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a weird Kelly line where this this happens when you have adult uh, characters who started off as kids and then they become adults, but you don't want them off the show, so they got to come up with ways to keep them in the household. And it's just, I don't care if you're an adult, don't talk about your mom and dad fucking to them. Like, no one wants to hear that. Like, it's just, I know she says make love, but still... Just like you could just make you just you, just, you could just make love to her all night long, and I'm like, Kelly, don't talk about your mother that way. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. It is weird, and she's giving advice this advice to her own father, and I know she's saying it as you know how to please a woman, telling a man how to please a woman, another woman. But yeah, it's it's so icky, and I. The one thing I would never do is ever imagine my parents having sex or even talking about it. Just, oh. Annabelle, you're not going to sit on the couch next to your dad and say, like, Dad, all you got to do is just make mom your slam piece. No. Like, (laughs) stop. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Sorry, Annabelle, you're the only girl here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Another piece of advice that she does offer is that she knows that there is a new director's cut of The Bridges of Madison County. The Criterion Edition. (laughs) With 11 extra minutes of Clint Eastwood sponge bathing Meryl Streep. So The Bridges of Madison County is a 1995 American romantic drama. So very timely, very popular at this stage. And it was based on a best-selling novel of the same name by Robert James Waller. And the film is is about an Italian war bride, Meryl Streep, who lives with her husband and two children on a farm in Iowa. And in 1965, she meets a Nat Geo photographer named Robert, who's played by Clint Eastwood, and has a four-day extramarital affair with him that changes both of their lives forever. (laughs) Nice. 
Holy shit, that's what that... That's Bridges of Madison County? Yes. I've seen this. I had no idea that was the title. <laughs> oh my god. I distinctly remember... Okay, hold on. Maybe, maybe, maybe I saw something similar. Does this movie end with a, with them in a car in a rainstorm? And um, the man she had an affair with is in the car in front of them, and her husband's like laying on the horn, and she's like sobbing because he's not moving, and they know she knows he knows she she knows that that's him, and he knows that she's behind them, and the husband doesn't know anything because he's being cucked through the entire movie. Like, is that what is this what I'm talk, thinking about? I think so, but I haven't, I haven't seen it myself, so I can't comment. I haven't even read the book. Okay, because I think I, I think I might have because I've heard this this movie and book referenced so many times. Yeah, that, yeah, you're I probably guess. driving across a lot of bridges. Am I right? Might be. That might be the titular <laughs> bridge. Yeah. So have you, have you ever been to, on a side note? Have you ever visited Iowa, Tyler? I have driven through it. I've heard a lot of it's basically flat, rural. Yeah. It's uh. It there's. Okay, so most of Americana is that. Alright, so like most of America, like if you draw a big circle in the middle of it, is farmland. And there is something beautiful in my mind about that. There's a lot of good movies um, for, for non-American listeners um, and podcasters. I would recommend you guys watch The Straight Story. It's a David Lynch film. Uh, it's on Disney Plus. Disney actually made it, and it's about a man who drives like a lawnmower across uh, several states um, to meet it to see his estranged brother who had a heart attack, based on a real story. And it does capture um, kind of beautifully the what is beautiful about the farm countryside of America, which normally you only get to see that when you're driving through it, and it is like a bunch of nothing. But there is beauty involved in it as well. So, yeah, that is the... Yeah, Iowa is a big stretch of nothing, entering to another state. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I thought... I thought so, because I know it's borders a few other states. It's got Des Moines in the middle and a few other places. But, uh, yeah, obviously Madison, Madison County's got a few bridges. And Madison County also borders Polk County, considerably enough. Uh, reminds me of Polk High. Uh, but if either of the Madisons I know, whether it's uh, Madison near Mandarin, Perth, or uh, Madison I work with. So, Maddie, Maddie, if you listen to this, uh, make sure we check out your bridges when you go to America. Uh, and by the way, guys... I was right. That I did see Bridges of Madison County. I just looked up Bridges of Madison County rain scene. I'm looking at screenshots of it. That's it. I was a 12 years old when I saw that. I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I really did not understand why she was crying. I'm like, why are you in the car with this guy you don't like? Just go into the other car then. <laughs> I didn't understand that that was her husband. I thought she was married to Clint Eastwood through the entire movie. <laughs> and I was like, wow, they have a very nice relationship. They're having sex all the time. What's wrong? So he was making love to her all night? <laughs> yeah, you, you take pictures of flowers all day and then you go and... Uh, 
Then, then you go and uh, drive over some bridges. <laughs> first, you first you look at the flowers, and then you go play with Meryl Streep's flower. So it's. it's <laughs> 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 yeah, I might watch that again someday, and oh, I meant to actually look up if there was a director's cut. That I'm sure there was. It probably is an extended. Or a slightly different collector's edition on DVD or something, but um, nothing that I can find. The movie apparently rambles on, like, the beginning and ending is kind of, like, apparently being looked at as not good anymore. Because it doesn't... It doesn't have a lot to... It's, it has a lot to say about people settling in marriages, but it seems to, like, give the impression that... It, um, you should just, uh, what do you say? You should just settle. They're like, you made a decision, you married this person, you stick with it. And that's kind of not a good one. But what people love about it, and it's even what a 10 year old me saw, Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood have insane chemistry. Like, on fire. Nice. You really want them together. In, and I'm not just, it's not just sexy chemistry. Just, you smile. The chemistry that Ed O'Neill and, and, uh, um, Katie Seagal. Katie Seagal. Katie Seagal. Wow. I almost said Kathy <laughs> Bates and then my brain could not remember the actual name. <laughs> oh, I'm tired. Kathy Bates is awesome too. <laughs> yes. I, uh, ooh, Kathy Bates as Peg Money. That would be weird and creepy. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> they made the right choice casting Peg, that's for sure. Al, get down here now. That would be terrifying, honestly. Like, ooh. But, uh, no, like, they just the kind of chemistry they have where they just sit together. Just There's a scene where, um, in Burns Mass County where Clint Eastwood and Meryl Streep, I'm just, it's all flooding back to me now, where they're making tea together and uh just pouring each other a cup of tea and just like staring just looking at each other and smiling and it is reminding me of something that my grandma said that like true love is where two people can like sit and share silence together <laughs> and they do that in that movie and you just feel it you're just like oh so it's a it's a good it's a good film to watch if you want to feel good about it's not a good film to watch if you're in a bad relationship. It's a good film to watch if you're in a good one. <laughs> okay, fair enough. What about if you're single? I can't answer that. There's also a Bridges of Madison County musical. Oh, God. Yeah, I have not seen or know anything about this musical, except that it lasted only a few months. <laughs> so that was probably an indication of how good it was it was in 2014 it ran on broadway from february 20th to may 18th and then closed see when you have a musical that's made from a movie that absolutely shouldn't be a musical and you can't really imagine it i just my brain immediately starts creating fan song like like fake songs to the tune of guys and dolls like, <laughs> screw your husband. Come over here and fuck in the field of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have a bath and sponge you. And 
11 minutes long in the director's commentary. Come get your dick wet tonight. Something like that. (laughs) I'd go see that. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my God. And you know what? I watched that on TV, Matt, uh, with commercials. So it was like four hours long. (laughs) And the original film is already 134 minutes long. Talking about musicals, there is currently a new musical out about Princess Diana, and it's called Diana the Musical or something like that. And apparently, it's so bad that it might actually be good. (laughs) Ouch! No! (laughs) No! (laughs) No, Annabelle, don't do it! My brain, it's starting to do it! Get in the car, drive that taxi really fast, candle in the wind, snuffing right out, something like that. Like, just, Oh my god. Well, apparently the, the lyrics in said musical are that bad. Uh, someone, a friend of mine on Facebook watched it and it now hates musicals because of it. Huh, they call her Princess Die. They should have called her Princess Live. Maybe it would have had a better ending. Oh! <laughs> bang, bang, bang! Shot fired! Oh dear. Oh man, we're on. Anyway. Fu- this is a good episode so far. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so Kelly told uh, Al that he needs to, to get her to that movie or get her upstairs in bed. So one or the other. All right, Bridges of Madison County, it is. And he went with the movie. Big surprise. And in the background, you can see, as you mentioned, Peg doing her Leela impression. Hiya! <laughs> With a, a dummy who looks remarkably like Jefferson, I have to say. If you, if you look at his face, it's, it's quite similar. I thought they were punching a scarecrow. I had no idea that was supposed to be Jefferson. I thought they were punching a scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I might have thought the same thing at first. It's just that when Jefferson comes in, he's wearing the exact same thing. So when we're watching it again on rerun, I'm like, oh, that's, that's Jefferson, right. So Marcy's using him as a, a literal punching bag. You know, just between you and me, these workouts are starting to turn me on. <laughs> so what do you say? I say I need a flashlight. I think some of my equipment rolled under the house. It's turning her on. I love that. Of course. I I know I get turned on when I beat my husband up, don't you? I mean, ladies, talk to me. You should check. (laughs) I mean, Annabelle, you should check. I got it. Wait, I got it. I got it. Okay. Annabelle, you should check under the house because some of your husband's parts might have rolled underneath there. (laughs) (laughs) i will (laughs) okay okay so let's just um let's move out of this house to the actual bridges of madison county like i just have to ask all of you up front anybody anybody get a single one of those posters on the marquee yes you did okay good because i couldn't get a single one of them and i was like are these fake posters or are they real ones and if they're fake i need to know no they're real 
They're real. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just flicking through them now. So there's Devil in a Blue Dress, I think it is. That's Denzel Washington. There's Johnny Monomic. I think that's Keanu Reeves. And then there's To Die For, which is Nicole Kidman. And that's a real film. And I've actually seen that one. But what got me about this is that Al's drawing a moustache on Nicole Kidman, but he's using his right hand. Al's left hand is... And this is the kind of thing that disturbs me. I know it's for the camera. And they, I suppose he could have stood on the other side, but it looks more effective doing it this way. And he is a bit ambidextrous anyway, but he's drawing with his right hand, even though he's left-handed, but he's just colouring in a moustache. But yeah, they're all genuine movies. Annabelle, that's just your moustache-drawing hand. What are you talking about? Oh, of course. I'm sorry. And one of the guys in line is reading a book called Final Exit. And if you remember back in season six in Al Bundy's shoe dick, Al was reading that very same book. Yeah, like, I, I find it... <laughs> I really love the, it's one of my favorite things Mary Trilogy does, is the ex- ex- escalation of a joke to where it gets really crazy, like really exaggerated. And you just got, you got one dude who's like, ugh, another dude who looks exactly the same, which I thought was a, a, a mess up, but it just works as a way funnier joke later and then another guy who's like crying and then another dude another guy who's making a noose then the dude who's making final exit and then the cardboard cutouts someone deserves that cutout someone deserves a reward for an award for that an an emmy needs to be made specifically for that joke because that messed with my brain so hard I just I didn't know what was happening yeah. <laughs> especially as it was a bit hard to make a cardboard cutout back then no but that is impressive like that guy got, probably just got a cheese sandwich and a coke for uh, doing that but it's <laughs> it's just like oh that was so funny and then the, the dude who cause like what I thought was the guy who when he finds out what he's uh, about to go see, runs out and purposely, I'm going to say purposely, gets hit by a car, actually does the suicide. Like, I thought he was a redundancy in the escalation process, but I love that he's actually the highest one, second in line. Someone had a lot of thought put into this. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, I agree. Couldn't have had a better um, line of desperate men. Uh, especially, like my favorite is obviously final exit right, right after the guy wanted to hang himself. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy who runs into traffic, um, the British guy. Yeah, the, the posh British guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I only realized recently like that his name is steve valentine and he's not a famous actor per se but he's in a lot of things and i've seen him in quite a few things just recently and the most recent was he had a recurring role on the sitcom mom as a faded british rock star it wasn't until the last time i saw him i went that's the guy who was in married with children and i looked it up i'm like yeah it was because just a random bit part but yeah he's he's got quite a few credits and i've seen him in a lot of things there's another good joke right at the beginning where Miranda shows up. This is Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal. <laughs> Reporting to you live at the pre- 
premiere of The Bridges of Madison County, The Director's Cut. As you can see, the re-release of this movie has generated unbelievable excitement. I am unbelievably excited. You know, I'm just... No, 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 Yeah, well, that's why I said it at the top of this show as my introduction. I am unbelievably excited because I like that joke as silly as it is. <laughs> it's so great. And there's the cardboard cutout. Yes. And you're right. Uh, he is doing it with his right hand. And the guy who's reading Final Exit, if you play the clip on, uh, when Peggy comes over to join Al, you see the Final Exit guy in the background and he is working that extra work. He's earning his money hard. I, I'm... Yeah. I'm seeing it. You're right. Like, rum, 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 rum. <laughs> He's gnawing his fingers off. <laughs> and who did you say was the... You said it was Devil in a Blue Dress. Yep, there it is. I, I did a little Denzel, uh, Denzel marathon last year, and I did not get to Devil in a Blue Dress. So I'm going to have to make a point to watch that soon. Johnny Mnemonic. With Keanu Reeves and To Die For, you know, all popular films of 1995. That's actually a good movie night. I'll post that on the Facebook page when I do that. I'm My movie night, my triple feature is going to be the movies shown in the background of season 10, episode 6 of Married with Children. And I will not watch British Bridges of Madison County, though. Screw that. I'm not oh, watching that. That was my next question. No. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. Over two hours? Maybe not. A film's got to be really good if it's longer than two hours for me. If one of the listeners sends me three VHSs of a taped television one where they have all the commercials in from the from the 90s, I'll watch all of that. Besides that, I'm not watching it again. <laughs> oh, Al, isn't this romantic? Finally, you're taking me to a movie that doesn't have the words Debbie or does in the title. <laughs> So Al's finally taking Peggy to a movie that doesn't have the words Debbie or does. Ooh. This is an actual porno film, of course. Everyone probably heard of Debbie Does Dallas. But it's a 1978 porno film starring Bambi Woods, and I'm sure that's her real name. And the plot of the film... (laughs) Plot in a porno focuses on a team of cheerleaders attempting to earn enough money to send the title character to Dallas to try out for the famous Texas Cowgirls cheerleading squad. Nice. You know, they're actually, when you say, I know you did plot in quotation marks uh, right there, but believe it or not, in the 70s, porno, uh, we've all seen it in Boogie Nights, Pornos did actually have plots. It was well thought of, and they were they were supposed to be high class. Um, one of the best versions of that I can think of is the opening of Miss Beethoven, and that is on uh, Pornhub. And again, like this is America, and the rest of the world needs to just get off their rocker on this kind of thing. It's a part of. Uh, historical cinema that needs to be explored. There was a lot of effort put to that. You need plot, you need actors, you need continuity, and all that stuff put together to make a good film. It was later on where they just dropped all that stuff and went right to the, you know, right to the the nitty gritty. So in the seventies, that was peak time for that. Google has Debbie Does Dallas as pornographic slash 
hardcore pornography. So, and there's also a 2005 film called Debbie Does Dallas Uncovered. Oh, it's never. I'm sorry. It's a documentary or uh, indie film, 48 minutes. So it's a TV documentary about the dark side of pornography. So yeah, if anybody wants to check that out. All right. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the opening of Misty Beethoven, but it looks interesting because it says it's a, a pornographic comedy film. Yeah. <laughs> and that's from 1976. With a, produced with a relatively high budget, so I get what you're saying. Oh yeah, it uh, it premiered in actual film festivals and stuff. Like It had notable actors in it too as well. <laughs> I suppose Debbie Does Dallas is the most successful porn film of its time, or of its kind anyway. We, and we've seen references to, on the show to it before. I mean, there's even a two-part Mary Children episode called Kelly Does Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, and Debbie Does da- Oh my god, I just, re- I just got it, guys. I just got it. Debbie Does Dallas, triple D. Ah. DVD. Ah! Hi-ya. She's got triple Ds. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm so happy you said hi-ya, because my video was, I started playing the video again, and you said hi-ya right at the moment where Peggy uh, knocks out the guy in the Canadian tuxedo. Oh, the de- double denim? Oh, yeah, the Canadian tuxedo listeners is where a guy is wearing jean shirts, jean shirt, jean jacket. Oh, I didn't know that. That's that's like the Jay Leno of of outfits, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's that's our old friend uh, Frank Lloyd. He's the the resident Married with Children stuntman. Well, I'll give you another example. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just does an epic fall. Oh yeah. Takes a good hit, falls on his ass. Getting really, really close to Ed O'Neill, like that would that would creep me out if I like I would know if someone was that freaking close to me. He's like feeling Ed O'Neill up in a weird way. It's, he is he is too good at being an actor. As I said in my notes here, wild pickpocketer appeared to quote Pokemon. But yeah, this guy he 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 knows how to play the pickpocketer very very well. But then, to his surprise, he gets knocked out by a six foot redhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a really I caught a I paused it and I got a really good uh stance for Peggy and her just like knocked out. He just falls down and Peggy's still in her like um in, in the, the lunge state. There. Yeah. Nice. Peg Peg use um extreme punch. One hit knockout. Wild pick wild pickpocket fainted. In heels too. Like what a babe. Yes. And she's pregnant, yeah. <laughs> pregnant in heels with a leopard coat. Like this is an awesome like shot of Peggy. Like <laughs> the matching jacket and shoes and Yes. And you can still see the moustache in the background. This is the bravest thing this reporter has seen since Bill said, Hillary, I beg to differ. <laughs> this courageous woman cold cocked this lowlife mugger without any help whatsoever from the Weasley man who dares to call himself her husband. <laughs> brings um miranda back over uh, first of all miranda's <laughs> miranda's at a, a re-release of a movie 
a premiere of a re-release of a movie of a director's cut of some random movie that because everybody is so unbelievably excited I guess that warranted a news reporter to come and cover it because it must be a slow news day or something then she runs off to this guy who quote-unquote took the easy way out yeah, <laughs> and now she's come back and you know it's a very handy plot device having a news reporter there to make Al a laughing stock but you know it's, it's done smoothly enough and Miranda's always a delight and she says this is the bravest thing this reporter has seen since Bill said Hillary I beg to differ <laughs> so another Cl- another Clinton reference <laughs> man old slick Willie at it again yep but I love <laughs> I love Miranda's line, without any help whatsoever from the Weasley man who dares to call himself her husband. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. The Clintons got mentioned literally two episodes ago in, in Reverend Al, so they would have covered that then but it just goes to show what era we're in smack bang in the mid 90s clinton's in office and there's a ton of clinton and hillary jokes and they're still funny today because we we know them well we're sort of oversaturated with them a few years ago and this is pre-impeachment pre-scandal yeah that wasn't 98 but yeah the clintons as i call them one of america's royal families so there's a headline in the paper, Chop Sucky Mama Saves Wussy Hubby's Wallet. A really funny, funny image of Al. Just, I love a good look of Al staring at a newspaper. Ed O'Neill's facial expression is really great. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. He is the king of expressions. So it's just funny just to look at him. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, you gotta admit, it's pithy. Don't you understand the problem? If this gets around town, people are going to start thinking I'm a nerd. (laughs) Well, technically, Al, you're not smart enough to be a nerd. No, no, you're more of a panty waist or a a limp-wristed sissy boy. What I love is that Al is worried about being a nerd, and I'm thinking, nothing wrong, nothing wrong with being a nerd, Al. Just because you're a nerd doesn't mean you're a sissy. <laughs> well... No, Al's not smart enough to be a nerd. No, uh, he's far from it. Uh, yeah, Al would not have been in my group at school, for example. No, and they do every... Like, I just love it because Jefferson is... That line is there to imply to the audience what exactly we're making fun of because they pretty much do everything except call him the F-slur. That's what they're going. Limp-wristed, panty-waist, sissy boy... You get what I'm saying here with this? Like, yeah. you're not a real man. A woman had to come to your rescue, so therefore you obviously have sex with other men. Yes, they... Because yeah. that's that's the attitude. Yeah, they're making fun of that attitude, yes. They did everything but call him a Welsh awful meatball, so to speak. A what? <laughs> <laughs> what the... Yeah, wait, was that, was that an Australian thing? Okay, like... so, um... Okay, just to explain, Tyler, Annabelle, so if you Google, um, that six-letter F word, but put food after it, you know what I'm talking about. Six oh, letters? yes. Yes. 
Oh, the full the full version. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Are you saying it twice? Like, <laughs> No, 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 no. But the, the full six-letter version is actually the name of a very yummy food from England and Wales. So look it up. It's um, Yorkshire name is savoury duck. So there's a, there's a more safer work version of the food. But yeah, so whenever I think of that word, I think of awful meatball, not gay person. Thank you. I was like, I'm so glad you said what to, and I was like, wait, that's some weird Australian thing I've never heard of. And then you're just like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say, because like, isn't the three letter word, which is what I was referring to. A cigarette. Cigarettes. Yeah. Here, have a whole carton of F words. (laughs) Well, I I think of the Simpsons. Oh, Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, because obviously it only became a homophobic slur courtesy of the USA because um, the original... That's how we do. That's how we do. (laughs) Yes, the original meaning had nothing to do with gay people at all. Yeah, I thought he was going to say geek instead because that would have said the same thing too. Well, you're not really... You couldn't be really a nerd, Al. Nerds are smart. You're more (laughs) like a geek. But even then, I can't imagine Al being a geek. <laughs> but it's true, though. Like, yes, as Kelly knows, as Kelly knows something is proof of. Al's a nerd. He's a nerd for sports. I can tell you that. And as a nerd for like uh, comedy, like for television shows and stuff like that, I can tell you this right now. I've been to sports bars. They are the kings of nerds. Like some of these people who are like Al that can whip out stats on characters from games 50 years ago. I'm just like, you are king. They are the kings of the nerds. Whew. Nice. That would basically be me if I was a sports fan. So I'm not a sports fan, but if I was, that would be me 100%. Same. I am a married with children nerd. Like, oh, yes, you are. But these sports guys, like, can you tell me exactly what, um, like, you can quote episodes. Can you tell me the time code that these quotes happened in the episode? These sports people could in relative to that. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they're at that level. Yeah, well, I could give you a rough time, but I wouldn't know the exact time code. No. I wouldn't either. I mean, I'm just a nerd in general and a nerd of a few things, but uh, yes, even I'm not that good. Uh, I have to spread my nerdiness around to various things, you know, Tyler? I bow to it. I bow to that level of nerdiness. Yeah, I understand it, yes. I call it dedication. (laughs) You gotta understand, when I felt that hairy hand go in my pocket, I naturally assumed it was Peg. Don't worry, Al. It was just a little mugging. I mean, how much more press could it possibly get? Great news, Al. Good morning, Chicago wants to do an interview. Fine, I'd like to set the record straight. I am no wimp. Could a wimp score four touchdowns in one game? Was that peewee football or pot puff Sorry, we're here to interview your wife. Would you be a doll and brew us up some coffee and feel free to make some herbal tea for yourself? So Al's all riled up and incensed and and he wants to prove to anyone who comes in that he is not a wimp. Would a wimp score four touchdowns in a single game? Of course, he goes straight to the high school football, which is by now 29 years ago, Al. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> but are we talking peewee football or powder puff? Four more touchdowns than you got, Matt. So, <clears throat> oh, 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 ouch. <laughs> 
Ouch. <laughs> so, yeah, that Pee Wee football, which is now known as Pop Warner Little Scholars, commonly known simply as Pop Warner. That's a non-profit organisation that provides activities such as American football for youths aged 5 to 16 years old. It's the largest youth football organisation in the United States. And in the US and Canada, powder puff football games are flag football or touch football games between girls from junior and senior classes or crosstown school rivals. Some funds from the tickets and concession sales for the game typically go to charity or or the senior classes or dances or things like that. And the term originates from the powder puff, which is, of course, the soft material you know, ladies use for the application of cosmetic powder. Big, big deal in America. Like, in my high school did it, and every high school I've ever substituted at does it. So, yeah. They don't call it powder puff anymore. It is more referred to as touch uh, football. Like, the school goes ape shit for this stuff. I can imagine. I mean, I went to a high school that um, took Australian football very seriously. So, uh, yeah, we took our football, our netball. Uh, I, went to actually, I went to, ironically, very a very athletic high school. So, uh, if it was America, we would take Powder Puff and Pee Wee very seriously, too. And Powder Puff, for me, reminds me, of course, of the Powder Puff Girls, the animated show from the late 90s, Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup. <laughs> I'm, trying to make a, I'm trying to make an Australian joke about, like, Powder Puff Rugby. And it's not working. What would be uh, the Australian version of Powder Puff? Uh, well, we've got Auskick and Little League. I mean, uh, we do have, um, at the adult level, AFLW, Australian League Football Women's the League. Uh, I'm not sure what a... Uh, th- obviously, there is girls football here, too. I'm not sure if there's a nickname for it. Yeah, Powder Puff Rugby. I kind of want to see that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just as violent. It's just, it's the, it'll be the same game. <laughs> so, um, Peg comes in with a, uh, another reporter. Good morning, something called Good Morning Chicago he wants to do an interview. <laughs> I just took another epic screenshot, not of Al's face, but of an action. He almost goes to strangle the reporter after he says, Why don't you put on some herbal tea, which is American for herbal tea. No. <laughs> Herbal tea for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, funny enough, when I was w- watching this episode earlier today to review it, I was drinking not coffee, not herbal tea. I love herbal tea, by the way. I was just drinking regular black tea. Uh, uh, I don't know if herbal tea ever had a stereotype in the US, but it's pretty common to drink <laughs> here in Australia. I do love my lemon and ginger, green, peppermint, whatever. Matt, you should have been like, I was drinking, I was drinking black tea. And then you should have done like a really, just as bad as my Australian accent, you should try to do an American accent like a real man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I drank, I, I drank some black tea, y'all. I drank some, yeah, get old dang old black tea. Oh, you're, oh, you're doing the accent. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought I'd try. Uh, I mean, I did love watching Boomhair and King of the Hill all these, all these years ago, so it was obviously rubbed off of me somehow. I thought Chris was with us right now. <laughs> you got to do the... Uh, it's like, I don't know. There's just something really funny about being able to really hammer down that. You got to find one little statement 
to say, like one little phrase to get you into your American accent, which isn't just a Southern accent. <laughs> All right, I'll keep that in mind, Tyler. I mean, uh, well, Annabelle actually, um, actually knows the way we're acting, so she'd be better at accents than I am. But uh, yeah, so I have to start a, um, a running bet. Who can, who can master the accent first? You an Australian one or, or me and an American one? <laughs> place your bets. Yes, place your bets, everyone. I was probably just a wallaby. <laughs> <laughs> I said Australian, Tyler. Yeah, you, you sounded more Australian. Like, you, you sounded more like you were from Kent or Surrey in England, then. Yeah, that was very English to me. I see you play knifey spoony before. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> That's better. So Jefferson thinks he has a way out for Al. Hey, hey! I think I know how to put an end to all of this. Well, if you've got the tailpipe, I've got the lips. <laughs> if you've got the tailpipe, I've got the lips. Oh my god, that's that's dark. I think that would be censored now. Possibly. That reminded me of um, Dinner with Anthrax in season six. <laughs> Again, Al is trying to avoid making love to his wife. And Jefferson says, now you want to explain what you were doing with your lips on my tailpipe earlier? <laughs> oh. <laughs> See, they couldn't do that joke now because it would be, uh, didn't you try the tail, didn't you try my car's tailpipes? Electric car, Jefferson. <laughs> it's not just a dark joke, it's just an outdated joke as well. <laughs> they, they made a joke about that in South Park too, where it, they were, uh, they watched High School Musical and the kids were like, well... I'm going to go kill myself now. If this is what's popular, I don't want to live in this world. Carbon's like, I'm going to go home and kill myself. Next day in school, they're like, I thought you were going to kill yourself. I tried. Sat in the garage with the car running for, uh, for like four hours. And you didn't die? Electric cars, man. Can't even, <laughs> kill, can't even kill yourself these days. He's like, damn these hippies. Can't even kill yourself now anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old South Park. I remember watching that one. That's the elementary musical school episode, isn't it? Yeah, really good episode because I totally felt the exact same way those kids felt when High School Musical came out. Now I appreciate High School Musical. It's actually a very good musical. Unlike the Bridge, Bridges of Madison County musical, it's actually good and follows the formats and is successful for a reason. <laughs> full stop yes so after that dark joke jefferson has a much better idea he's got a stuntman friend because of course he has okay look i have this stuntman friend his name is thunder okay you go to this bar he comes up he insults peggy and i buy him a drink <laughs> later first you hit him with your best shot he pretends to be hurt he falls down you're out of the michael bolton fan club <laughs> That's a good idea. That's a good idea, Jefferson. And I can have Bud come in and video the thing. Yeah. Then I'll fight Peg. <laughs> That'll work. But, but how can I recognize your buddy? Oh, well, uh, Thunder has a goatee, wears a bandana, and uh, he reeks of that cologne obsession for men. Oh, what's his name again? Oh, I believe it is Thunder. Thunder? 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 Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jefferson's got this idea that he comes in and assaults Peggy, and Al does not buy him a drink. He gets it on camera. 
and he's going to get Buddy in to film it. And Jefferson says, bam, you're out of the Michael Bolton fan club. And that's yet another reference to Michael Bolton. And I'm frankly, I'm sick of the Michael Bolton jokes by this point. I don't know about you guys, but it's a bit overkill for me. That's the thing. I mean, you can have good jokes, but you can, all, you can always run good jokes into the ground simply by just overdoing them. Well, that's with any joke, any joke, because um, humor can get old. Yeah, and completely outdated. Like, it, Michael Bolton, he was huge back then, but you're right. Come up with something better. Yeah, something fresher, too. So, how is Al going to recognize his mate Thunder? <laughs> well, he reeks of that cologne obsession for men. <laughs> and, and, oh, let's see. He also has, uh, was a bandana, right? And, uh, well, yeah, he has a goatee. So, goatee, bandana, obsession for men, doesn't he? Yes. So, flip to the scene in the biker bar where every guy in the place has a bandana, has a goatee, and may or may not reek of a certain Calvin Klein cologne. But <laughs> you're taking me out for a nice romantic dinner. We are, Peg. I just want to. Soak up the atmosphere here. <laughs> Obsession for men. Well, I experimented a little in college, but it was just a phase. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't get the obsession for men like joke until I looked up the bottle and I was like, oh, it's the most generic form of uh, cologne you could get as a man. Okay, so it would be like often found in like uh, bathroom uh, vending machines and stuff. So, okay, that would make sense. And magazine inserts like Jefferson has there. But I think they went with that just for the epic joke so Al could sniff a man and say obsession for men and the guy says well I experimented a little in college but it was just a phase (laughs) which you kind (laughs) of see that coming but I still laugh oh I loved when Al explained why he was sniffing these men is because it's like a dominance thing (laughs) (laughs) it just was so funny the way he when a character sells uh, a a line like that where they're just making it up on the spot like it's a it's a male thing it asserts he's like looking around her show he's like it asserts dominance and territory <laughs> i have a real world example of that and um uh, matt maybe you can back me up on this so i came up with this out of nowhere and then I, my girlfriend at the time i just told her about it. i was like when two men see each other strangers and uh, even if I'm like parked in my car and some guy's leaving a store in front of me and walks by, if two men make eye contact, we do this head nod together. And it's kind of like an instinctual, I see you, I see you too. I could kill you. You could kill me. We're not going to do this though. Okay. Just want you to know I can. And I acknowledge that you know that I know. And we're going to go on our own business. It's like an instinctual thing to keep territory down. Yeah, I can, I can see what you're doing there, Tyler. I mean, I very rarely, rarely receive that myself because I'm, I'm six foot two and I'm pretty big. So uh, it's very rare that um, I'm ever, ever confronted like that. Uh, but yeah, most of the time I see a stranger, I just say morning or afternoon to them uh, when I'm on a walk, for example. So uh, Really? 
Yeah. Okay. I, maybe it's an American thing, but like I just I've seen men do that, and I do it myself almost instinctually. Like it's when two men like, hey, why are you looking at me? It's just a gentle. There's there's no waving, there's no speaking, because sometimes you're so far away you you can't even do that. It's just a, hey, just a head nod. Hmm. Hi. I see you. So it's kind of in the it's in the same realm of the joke that Al is saying, where it's like it's a it's a male thing, like we're we're recognizing each other's territory. Yep. I get what you're saying. Dad, can we get this thing over with? It's uh, kind of sleazy in here, and frankly, it's a little scary. But I don't want to be in here any more than you do. I mean, what kind of low life loser would voluntarily come in a dump like this? <laughs> in the library we must be in the wrong place study buddy I thought we were going to get hammered and do it on the Pac-Man ah but that book must be checked out why don't we go to the other library down the street the one with the jello shots well she's moving on up she used to only date senators but here comes your mother go hide Boy, how am I going to know when to start tape? When I say to this guy Thunder, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Bud's in this bar as well, and he's filming it. So a pig never knows that Bud's here. Who would come into this place voluntarily? Enter Kelly. Oh, <laughs> yeah, with, with, one of her, with one of her fellas. And uh, as soon as Kelly realizes the rest of her family are there, she's like, oh, this isn't a library. But which made me think, well, good excuse, but you're 23, Kelly. You're not exactly in high school anymore. Yeah, I, I'd leave too. Especially if I was with... Uh, <laughs> wait, what's this guy's name again? She says it later. Um, Genghis. Genghis. Oh, he's my new favorite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, gang. Uh, hey, gangy. <laughs> gangy. Hey, gangy. Gangy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if you were with this guy, Annabelle, and you so you came in with your family and your fa- saw your family there, I prob- you'd probably want to leave, too. Like, I don't want to introduce this guy. <laughs> Yeah, first of all, I'd wondered why my family was there to begin with, my entire immediate family. And then I'd be like, yeah, let's go to the other library, wink, wink, <laughs> down the street. Oh, yeah. And exactly. And immediately turn on my heels and leave. And Annabelle, I'm just picking on you because uh, it's a Kelly thing. So, and you're the uh, girl on the podcast right now. But if you and your husband were planning on getting drunk and having sex on a pinball, uh, uh, thing on in um in public and you walked in and your dad and brother were there you'd probably leave and go to the library right oh definitely <laughs> yeah the other library <laughs> <laughs> the one with the jello shots yeah well personally i'd rather my, i'd rather my library make a snake bite or a boiler maker but uh yeah other libraries in my city <laughs> give me a library card to that place Whew. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> So this is Genghis, and we have seen Genghis before, and Al has even smashed his face in before. If you remember back in Season 9 in I Want My Psycho Dad Part 2, yes, he's making out with Kelly on the couch, and Al picks him up and smashes his face into the door. I, that's why he looks so out of it. <laughs> yes. So Kelly's making the rounds, round two. And by the way, Bud says the line that I was going to say, but I had forgotten. Ah, moving up. I used to date senators. 
Yeah, so uh, uh, that yes. Kelly and senators have been mentioned in the same sentence before. Well, not so much senators, but you know, politician types. <laughs> so she's moving on up. <laughs> Oh, and I just totally forgot. There was a uh, line, really, really, really savage line that Bud gave to Kelly recently, where um, it was it was during when when um, when Kelly was giving the advice to go to the movie, and she said, "Romantic movies always work for me." And uh, Bud goes, "A Happy Meal and a Hello Kitty pen set works for you, Kelly." <laughs> oh. And, like, even Al's just like, really, bud? God damn, that's my daughter you're talking about right here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we glossed over that before, but, yeah, that's a burn. Yeah, it's a big, ooh, burn. It's when Al real. It's when Al makes faces to Bud's like statements to Kelly. Like, really, I'm sitting right here. Please don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said Genghis uh, was out of it, but if you remember, his character wasn't named, but he was in the spin-off at the end of season nine in Radio Free Tremaine. He played the stoner with the legalized marijuana sign, so that was him as well. And we also saw him in Naughty But Nice. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. A real alumni. Yeah. So anyway, they leave. Peg comes back, and Al starts sniffing men again. What do you have? Did you call my wife an ugly, useless, lazy, Oprah-watching, bonbon-eating couch loafer? No, I said, what do you have? Uh, One of your finest beers. Nothing for the wife. (laughs) Yeah, man, this this is a very, very, very elaborate set, and they got a lot of extras to do nothing. I thought I was going to get the crap beat out of him by some of these guys, but it didn't happen. I love how they got all those like um, biker types to fill the entire what I call biker slash redneck bar. And they all have goatees. They all have bandanas. Um, the only one who doesn't have a goatee is this biker chick who comes up to Bud, and she likes what she sees. Oh yeah, you're cute. <laughs> <laughs> Want to ride a hog? <laughs> She likes Bud a bit too much and uh, takes him to a private room, locks the door. Yes, Biker Bird does Bud. Twice. And by the way, Annabelle, you're wrong. The There are two other people who don't have goatees or bandanas, and those are the two women who break down the little lady's room yes. door. Yep. So, <laughs> so yeah, all the, all the chicks. This large biker woman comes up to Bud and she says, you're cute. And A, she's not wrong. And B, (laughs) this is a bit problematic to watch in hindsight, isn't it? Oh yeah, Bud gets raped. Not to put too fine a point on it. Oh yeah, I'm I'm not even making a joke like that. Like twice. Twice he gets it. Like, uh, you know, alright, I won't use the R word. I'll say assaulted. Both Al and Bud are assaulted. In a realistic, not even deserving it. What, what do you call it? Like this, the like the 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 television, the sitcom sin rules where you kind of deserve it. Both of them did not deserve that. 
No, and there's there's a a trope. There's a TV trope that rape, if it's male on, uh, sorry, if it's female on male, is funny. And some shows like to avert that, luckily. But that is a trope that exists, and it has existed in TV shows, unfortunately, including Married with Children. It's only now that we watch in hindsight, we're like, hang on, that's not funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this one's even worse too, because it's like, who would want like? Because it's, it's a, uh, it's a larger, uh, it's a woman of on a larger side, um, and very an amorous woman too. Like, so therefore, who would want to be with a woman like that? And you get it, guys. You get it. Slap that knee. And I'm like, not really. It's not funny at all. Because like, there, there should be. They could have. If you're going to do that joke, you got to really exaggerate it. And they kind of go there with Bud's clothes getting ripped up. But he looks more like you got to go even further. Like, I wanted to see the door open up and like Bud like crawl out of it like, Dad, Dad, help. She won't let. And then you just see like this hand reach over and he goes, no. And you you like see him like scrape back in. That would make it better because then it's really exaggerated. Like he's getting devoured, but it really looks like he just escaped being assaulted. So it they didn't go as further on as they should have. If you're gonna do the joke, yeah, I think it was funnier. Again, very similar joke, quote unquote joke, in season eight in the Valentine's Day massacre episode where. Again, a larger woman takes Bud into her room because he's cute and has her way with him. But then Bud comes out and he has a punchline. And he says, now I know how Tom Arnold feels. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a funny line. But here, he doesn't have a punchline. And he just looks like, oh, he's just, yeah, like you said, he looks like he's just literally been assaulted. It's not done as well. And they did a a similar but different joke on South Park almost a decade after this. The one where um, Paris Hilton um, tries to do a similar thing to Butters. Oh, Oh, yeah, you're right. That was that was t- that was nine years after this. That was two thousand and four. I actually rewatched that episode not long ago. But you see, yes, and uh, that was a creepy episode to the point where Butters' parents want to sell hi- him to Paris Hilton for two hundred million dollars. I think they do too. Like they do, but the sale gets cancelled obviously because you can't have South Park without Butters. No. <laughs> oh, gross, man. We have a weird. We live in a weird world. <laughs> we do. And it's a weird world where Al would take out his wife to a biker bar and sniff other men. Yes. <laughs> okay, and and th- this is one thing coming up because like we've got uh, Jefferson's um, uh, Thunder. Thunder shows up, but from the moment Thunder walks in, everything seems it's it's less like a sitcom and more like a Saturday Night Live skit. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. I'm Thunder. Sorry I'm late. Your wife. Your wife's a tacky, chocolate snarfing, couch butted, beehive headed parasite. No one calls my wife a tacky, chocolate snarfing, couch butted, beehive headed parasite who snores louder than a logging mill. Say that. 
No, no, but he was going to say it, Peg, if I hadn't stopped. <laughs> so what are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? I'll tell you what I'm going to do about it. Oh, no, please don't. You're me. I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do about it. Bird! <laughs> Okay, now, <laughs> would you mind repeating what you just said to my wife? Well, I, I, I forgot. <laughs> Chocolate snack? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, uh, uh, a couch-butted, beehive-headed parasite. Right? <laughs> you asked for this, pal. One, two, three! <laughs> night like everyone's waiting for their parts to like <laughs> to happen because like it this is still supposed to be where peggy doesn't understand what's happening but how could you not like he he comes up and goes sorry i'm late it St- stands up he's like hey say your line again and waiting for bud to come out with the camera and he holds up we're good dad go ahead like <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's funny in a way, but th- this is where I'm thinking it's not that nobody cares, but it's almost like they want to see how f- much they can get away with being wacky. Yeah, for season ten. Yeah, uh, like all Peg can do is sit there and watch this. And you're right, it is like a sketch. <laughs> so I was watching it quietly as you were talking. He's like, "I'm I'm going to say this now," and then he says it, and now he has to repeat what he said. <laughs> Oh, a great line, too. <laughs> Do you have it? It's a, a, a tacky, chocolate-snarfing, couch-buttered, beehive-headed parasite. Yes! <laughs> and he's like, yay, I set the line right. <laughs> hey, Annabelle, no one calls my wife a tacky, chocolate-snarfing, cuff, couch-buttered, beehive-headed parasite who snores louder than a logging mill? Tyler, he didn't add that last part. Well, he would have if I hadn't interrupted it. <laughs> oh. Yes, nice cover. Oh, it's just so good. <laughs> and that everybody in this biker bar is like watching too, just standing there like with their arms like folded and going like, "All right, get on with it." Yeah. It's like something's going to go down and then they're in the semicircle. And I just noticed that um, when Al's looking off to that private room trying to get Bud's attention, Thunder is smiling, like, quite brightly. (laughs) He's like, yeah, come on, (laughs) we're waiting. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's just adorable in this scene. (laughs) Because even Al's smiling when Thunder can't remember his line. I was like, we've never seen this guy before, and Jefferson's friend, but he he seems really keen to help Al out. So maybe Jefferson, maybe he owes Jefferson one. I don't know, but, you know, he's all ready to... I know he's a stuntman, but there he is. He's ready to take his punch, and Peg gets in first. Yep, literally cuts Al off by one second. Oh, sorry, Al. What wow. There's a... I forget, is it either at the beginning or at the end of this whole, like, uh, biker bar thing? <laughs> but there's some dude in the audience, the television audience, who goes, Yeah! Get him, Al! Yeah, like, come on, Al! Yeah! <laughs> I was going to mention that, and then I thought, nah. Yeah, the audience is very keen in this episode. Yeah, very. 
just the one dude who snuck a, a six pack in and got really drunk. Because that's the only time I shout out when I'm in an audience. Anytime I've ever snuck, I, I don't do it too often, but when I sneak alcohol into a movie theater, I'll sometimes forget that I'm in a theater and act like I'm at home, where I'll just go, ha ha, that's funny. And then I'll be like, oh, shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I've never snuck alcohol into a theatre. I mean, I've snuck sweets in because, frankly, movie theatres are rip-offs. But, uh, yeah, never snuck booze into the cinema before. Oh, you should sneak a couple tall boys in one day. It's a good time, especially if it's like a three-hour-long movie or something. Uh, Just start right at the trailer. uh, Crack them open at the trailer because nobody's listening. And then just sip going through. It's a good time. Yeah, maybe next time I'm I'm not not driving to the cinema... uh... Yeah, now you've got me thinking about my favorite cinema, which has reclining seats. Ah. No, Matt, here's what you do. You, uh, you start drinking at the beginning of the film you go to, and then you get nice and buzzed, and then as you leave, you go and sober up in a shittier movie. Okay. <laughs> okay, I keep that in mind. I'm actually seeing the new Bond film next month when it comes out down here. Oh, that's a, that is a three tall boy movie if I've ever seen one. Have you seen it? No, but I've seen the trailer, and that's a three-tall-boy run right there. Okay, because I said I said on Facebook the other day to, to all my British friends, and, well, when it comes out for you guys, American friends, spoil that film to me at your own risk. You ever think about just getting a perm? <laughs> and selling Mary Kay cosmetics? <laughs> They give you a pink car. Al is denied his moment of redemption. So we get another headline. Woman shaves Sichuini again! (laughs) Al's face. So Jefferson asks him, you ever think about getting a perm or selling Mary Kay cosmetics? Because when I thought Mary Kay, I thought Mary Kay Tolson. I thought, nah, way too early for that. No, this is Mary Kay, and it's Mary Kay Incorporated, and that's an American company. It's one of those multi-level marketing companies, and according to Direct Selling News, Mary Kay was the sixth largest network marketing company in the world in 2018, with, you know, billions and billions of dollars. But it's based in Texas, outside Dallas, and it was founded by Mary Kay Ash in 1963. Mary Kay is a scientifically formulated skincare system created to work with your type of skin and taught to you by a professional Mary Kay beauty consultant. To find the Mary Kay beauty consultant nearest you, look in the yellow pages under cosmetics. Because every skin is different, you need skincare that's different. You need Mary Kay. And in 1968, Mary Kay Ash purchased the first pink Cadillac from a Dallas dealership where it was repainted on site to match the mountain laurel blush in a compact that she carried. So the Cadillac served as a mobile advertisement for the business. So the following year, she rewarded the company's top five salespeople with similarly painted cars and GM has painted over 100,000 custom cars for Mary Kay. GM has an exclusive agreement to sell cars of that particular shade through only Mary Kay Cosmetics. So they've got exclusive rights to a certain pink car. Oh my god. Too much stuff was taken into consideration for that. Like, every time I thought you were done, 
another sentence came with more information. You did a great job, Annabelle. I was like, holy crap. There was that much thought and effort. And Tyler, that was that was only half of what was written down. Good God. Oh, and I wonder how many freaking GM employees got laid off during the time all those meetings were going on. Uh, that was me holding back. <laughs> oh, we, ca- we care too much about stupid things in this country. Ugh. America, not Australia. You got your own stupid things to care about. Oh yeah, we've got Avon. But they don't give you a pink car. Just pink Avon spray. Yes, we got your Avon ladies very much down here, yes. I think I think one of them I think one of them tried to hit on me once. What? Oh, is that their new tactic? Well, I remember Do you come with the car? I- <laughs> <laughs> oh you <laughs> Well I answered the door once and this Avon lady came in, you know, I mean obviously wasn't interested, but uh yeah, still gave me her details and whatnot and I thought, um, do you want me or something? Or well, we'll never heard from her again, but uh yeah. Huh. So wait, wait, what are Avon people what do they sell? Cosmetics. Okay, so it's like uh like I'll suck your dick for a uh for, for some blush like kind of thing going on here, like that's that's one way to like boost your sales. I'll give it to that lady there. there Taking go. some initiative. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm like, I'm very far away from their target market. But yeah, needless to say, I did not get anything. And uh, not as memorable as the time an usherette um, followed me into a cinema once. Hello. Oh, man. It's just, you know what? It's all, it's, it's all because of the fakeness. All salespeople, anybody looking to solicitate in any form... Anybody out there is listening, if you're doing that, just be sincere. Anybody accepts sincerity. I always quote George Carlin, I had a dude once ask me for money to buy tires for his van. I gave him a dollar. I considered him both honest and enterprising. Always just be sincere. Like, hey, look, I don't really care about this product, but I'm trying to make a buck. You want to buy it? You know, I think you'll get a better sale that way. I'm all right, thank you. (laughs) I'm all right, thank you. Right, so Miranda is back on the scene, and this time she's in the Bundy house. Uh, Same cameraman, too. Tell me, Mrs. Bundy, has your husband always been more Lois than Clark? Ugh, that's another savage one. (laughs) It is, and very topical, of course. I mean, later seasons, Married to Children is just full of topical references and jokes. So, did you watch Lois and Clark back in the day? No, it was before my time. I had no idea that there was even a thing. Really? And now I have HBO Max that has it all. That's where um, Terry Hatcher came to fame. Well, I suppose she was famous for Seinfeld first, because she's both real and spectacular. But, yeah, Lois Lane was her role, and that broke her into the big time. But, yeah, it's Superman, of course, that we're talking about. Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, which ran from 1993 to 1997. So I never had actually watched a Superman movie ever until about two years ago. Wow. Yes. Like, I I watched nothing but cartoons growing up, and I watched a ton of Superman cartoons, but I never watched the live action stuff. Why would I do that when I could watch a better cartoon? And that's how my brain worked. Well, I finally did, and and I'm glad I I'm glad I waited because I got to appreciate it as an adult, and it still holds up. Those original, those uh, Christopher Reeves movies, 
They're incredible. They would have made me believe a man could fly. They're amazing. And I started doing a little research and then found out about all this Lois and Clark stuff. And apparently the Lois and Clark show, it was all this like, when are they going to get married? And then they get married. And then the show you would assume in a show like that, that would be the season series finale, but apparently it wasn't. And then the show just took a huge hit because then Lois and Clark get married and everyone's like, well, I'm done with this. Because <laughs> mm. it went from like every episode was getting like 15 to 20 million views on average. And then they get married and then it dropped to like 2 million views. So, uh, yeah, got to keep that will they won't they going for a while. Who's the boss had it right? Stretch that crap out. Yes, brings it to ratings. Yeah, lesson learned. So, Al gets up to confront Miranda. Yes, look at Miranda. Uh, Look here, uh, Miranda. (laughs) If you really want some film at 11, why don't you follow me down to the brewery? I'll tie a bowling ball to my ankle, dive in the vat of beer. I'll leave this world the same way I entered my marriage. Dead drunk! It's really funny. Dead drunk! (laughs) Nice. The way he says dead drunk. Oh, it's awesome. It's such conviction. But, um, but no, like, he looks like he's about to, like, run out of the house when in comes... Gengi! Hey, Gengi! Gengi! And Kelly, and she's wearing the same dress from before. They're drunk as hell, right? <laughs> yep. Went to a nice library. Yeah. I mean, this is the next day, presumably. They're, they're still in party mode. Yeah. After going to a few libraries, I just reminded myself that actually, I don't know if it's still open, but there was a nightclub in here in Perth called The Library. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if it's still open, though. Did they have jello shots? Probably. Probably. It was very popular with younger people. You want to kick me while I'm down, pumpkin? No, that's mom's job. <laughs> no. Now, you remember Genghis from the, uh, from the library, right? <laughs> wow. I, I got to say, um, two clothing uh, comments right now. First off, I love the shirt that Al has. It's like a Bill Cosby sweater-themed button-up shirt. I love that. And also... I think this is hands down the sexiest Kelly uh, Kelly's outfit I've ever seen in my entire life. She looks pretty good, and when she comes into the house, um, I can't help but notice her cleavage. She, it's almost like she entered the house boobs first. Mm. Like, like, can I get some Kelly with that cleavage? Like, <laughs> it is really she is really smoking hot. Like, I this is like the episode's horny for Kelly. And like only because I've this is the third time I've re- I've watched this episode in the past like twenty four hours, same sentiment like whew, like it's a beautiful beautiful dress for her. <laughs> yes, and her wig looks pretty good too. Beautiful eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Genghis or Gengi has a question for Al. Mister Bundy, would you give me your hand? <laughs> In daughter marriage? You know, Gingus, your timing couldn't be better. You 
want to do me a favor, son? And <laughs> <laughs> you want to say what you just said to me in front of the camera here? Yeah! Sure, Dad. Hey, and, and better still, hold my wallet. Cool. <laughs> Call my wife an idiot. Okay. Mrs. Bundy, you're an idiot. <laughs> It's so cute. <laughs> somebody must have somebody must have done this or had this happen to them in the writing staff because this seems this doesn't seem very clever as writing, but it seems like something that would happen in real life if you got drunk enough. Like, could you imagine that, Matt, like being out with a girl? You get super plastered and then you like come home and the dad is just right there and then she turns like let's do it let's do it let's do it get your knee like could you would you be my father-in-law like i'm gonna marry your daughter (laughs) gosh gosh no (laughs) oh no you're not gonna do that no you have to be that gone no see um the problem with that tyler is i've never been that gone in my life to date (laughs) you need to get on that man that's fun but well, on, on a side note, I will say, what, I caught up with a friend of mine for a beer last month. He said at my Bucks night, he, he actually plans to get me that gone. Oh, nice. De- de- definitely. Oh, you're going to have fun. But I can imagine this. <laughs> there's, a, there's a certain podcast recording coming up this season where um, I'm not condoning drinking till you black out, but there's a certain episode where we require at least a 10 drink minimum to get through it <laughs> and everyone is invited to take part i know i'll be there <laughs> oh, s- same here I'll, I'll i'll be there i'll be there and i will be not sober excellent <laughs> neither will i <laughs> and i'm apparently i'm hosting it <laughs> do, you, do you have to dr- drink it before or during the show both both <laughs> Okay, cool, because I've got a few beers lined up ready to make snake bites with and boilermakers. Ooh. I, I, was it me or somebody did say we should have like a Married with Children power hour? That would be fun. Basically, you have a shot of beer. You got to do beer. Don't do liquor because we wouldn't make it through. But like, you have a shot of beer every minute. Yep. So somebody keeps time, keeps a timer and go. I think what every episode is like 22 minutes that's 22 shots yep it would have to be a two-parter episode though so that's 40 so that'd be like 44 shots of beer it yeah would. it's just beer yeah you could always go the whole hog and do uh, more than 60 and do the england show with the shots oh honestly yeah <laughs> oh yeah well there's a three-parter coming up in season 11 we could always keep that in mind so let's just Okay, I hear it. I hear what you're saying. That sounds like a challenge, Matt and Annabelle. Fine, we'll do the entire season 11 power hour. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a three-parter, thank you. I'd like to be able to, well, not pass out from after episode five. <laughs> They're at the wedding at the last episode. I'm the only one still alive. <laughs> uh, I, I've, uh, the, cam- the marriage children is... Um, Sign, sign so, welcome, uh, welcome to the Married with Children pot. <laughs> 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 something, something, oh, that, man. Marie des enfants. 
people who are listening, it's just the episode playing and the rest of us are just snoring. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Six hours of dead air. (laughs) Put up a raw, unedited podcast. Random burps and like belches and stuff because we all left the cameras, the recording going. This is a good idea, honestly. Like, this might work. It, it, it could work. Yeah. Whoever wakes up first ends the uh, recording. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I do have a bit of an iron gut when it comes to alcohol and chilies. Another mate of mine, he's just drinking shot after shot after shot of straight Jägermeister. No mixer. He's just having, like, he had three quarters of a bottle of Jäger in one evening. Sh- straight. And the funny thing is, Tyler? Uh, at the end of the night, he was waiting for his dad to pick him up. He's all, I'm never drinking again. I'm never drinking again. And he never drank again. Never. Jägermeister, no, no, no. Well, but the thing is, guys, the following year, he became Mormon, so he never drank again. Uh, at least he went out like a champ, though. Anyway. Okay, I love this. This is a great way to go go out on this episode, just because of I've still got a still shot of how drunk Gangi looks. What is everybody's worst shot they ever had memory? Even if a type of booze or whatever. Yeah. Do you have a worst shot you ever had? I There's a bar near me that uh, sells custom-made shots, and they all have funny names. And one day I was, um, I was doing, like, it was called the Hard 30, where you just do like a shot every, I think like five minutes, and you order a ton of them, and they're like two dollar and fifty cent shots. And uh, there was one on that I never had called the Prairie Fire Dog, and it is one fifty one and Tabasco sauce with a jalapeno pepper at the bottom. Oh, whoa! That was the one that made me loop that was shot number eight and it's what made shots number one through seven follow it into the toilet because the second that hit my stomach because she was telling me what it was as i drank it i was like prairie fire dog huh pick it up i'm like so what's in it as i tip it back she goes 151 and tabasco sauce and it was it was the pepper hitting my throat because i didn't know there was a it was a literal hunk of a pepper at the bottom and you couldn't see it because it's like like maroon red i I haven't had too many bad shots i've just had too many so (laughs) when people were on one night everybody was having tequila slammers and we were celebrating something and we walked into the place where some of our friends had already set up and there was just a line of tequila slammers waiting to be Slammed. slammed basically and it's like here let me give you the salt on your wrist on your hand blah 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 so too many of those um there is a drink there's a shot called a slippery nipple i think it's bailey's irish cream Ooh. and sambuca and i'm not a big fan of bailey's irish cream it's okay but it's something i have to already be drunk to drink so when i had this i think that just that just finished me off for the evening that actually looks really good yeah, it's probably okay. I'm just not a big fan of Irish cream. <laughs> when I was growing up, I was told not to drink it because that was something that only groupies drank. <laughs> Believe me, Annabelle, only loose groupies uh, to drink those. <laughs> right. So, 
Genghis has probably taken a few of these shots, um, pun intended, because he and Kelly have been out all night, and they've been on the jello shots at least, and they're quite fun. They're awesome. But um, <laughs> he has no idea what's about to happen, but Al gets an idea, and there's a camera there, and so he sets him up, and bam. Were you satisfied with this ending? Yes. I was. I was like, yeah! Literally, the last shot's obviously, bang! I was like cheering. I mean, uh, talking to someone who got badly belted in the face himself nine years ago in December of 2021, uh, yeah, I was like, yeah! So um, I have no issues watching people getting punched in the face on TV if that helps. I suppose it must help. Matt, are you drunk right now or am I drunk? Because I swear you just said I got belted in the face nine years ago, December 2021. Nah, you're, you're obviously drunk. And I've had enough. Uh, worst of day was black tea, funnily enough. But anyway, uh, it was nine years ago in December of this year I was belted. So it was December 2012. <laughs> okay, because I'm like, wait, that hasn't happened yet. Did he get punched so hard that he got punched into a year, a month that hasn't happened yet? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, nine years ago this year, uh, in 2021. So, uh, okay. so but I'm just explaining. I don't have problems watching um, people getting punched in the face on TV. Uh, only if like their teeth get knocked out and it's, like, it looks too realistic. Like the episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where uh, Gina looks like she lost her front two front teeth. That actually screwed me the first time I watched it. But uh, I thought, yeah, mm. Two, Gina. Try five. Okay, well, uh, yeah, the episode totally worked. That ending totally worked for me. And I'll uh, I'll give my sense on why it works for me uh, when we do the wrap-up. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. All right. So, Matt. Yep. How many dummies of Al are you going to toss across the shoe store <laughs> in response to this episode? Okay, okay. So, I'm going to toss three and a half um, dummies of Al. So, three whole dummies and the up, the half will be his top half. Because how can you not love Al's face? Especially when he's being hurt. Uh, okay, so... I got. I like this episode. It's it's funny, especially. I mean, the, especially the way they got the whole redneck slash biker bar on point. Uh, it reminds me of a few years later of the whole Skeeters Bar in South Park. We're gonna take kind of the York kind around here. It reminds me of that sort of place. Uh, the defacing of the movie poster. The um, how um. Peg, um, Katie's girl, um, even though she's um, expecting a, a child, is still doing a really into karate. Mo- Karate and self-defense moves. I quite like that. Uh, <laughs> bit of the start where Al rigs a shoe race and doesn't admit it until Griff goes for the CCTV and then Al whimpers. Uh, 
Yeah, just uh, how uh, um, Al really, really wants uh, to not be known as a nerd or um, or, or, or things that are worse in his book or what, what wussy hubby, as I think Jefferson says. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, just just um, it works. Like I said, it's not it's not one of my favorite episodes, but uh, yeah, I'd say uh, it poor just poor Bud being well um trapped by the biker bird. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, they couldn't make that shot now, but it works well enough for me. It's not as disturbing as say Bud as being uh lured by Paris Hilton episode of South Park as I talked about earlier. So uh. Yeah, so just uh, th- three and a half dummies of our, yeah, three hole and uh, half, half, one well, biggest top head. So there you go. Oh, and also all the movie posters and the um, guys on a line, cardboard cutout and final exit for sure. That's me. Excellent. Okay, so Tyler, how many dummies of Al are you going to toss across the width of the shoe store? Man, I love how you got all those words out. I would have messed that up, Annabelle. Um, (laughs) I am going to... At at the beginning, before we started recording, I would have said four dummies. But after talking to you guys for 2.5 plus hours and having the time of my life doing it, I'm going to give it a five. I'm going to toss five out... uh, five dummies of Al across the shoe store. See? Screwed it up. Uh, But yeah, like, this episode, it's just, it was so nice to see, like, you guys have heard me and Steven, like, talk, like, I've gotten a really good criteria uh, set now for what I dislike and what I like about Married with Children. Very rarely does Married with Children not make me laugh. It's more about uh, episode structurization and this one structurization is that a real word it's a real word now um the way the ep- the way the episode's structured and how the characters are utilized how a plot and b plot if there is one sync up and how themes are carried on and what messages are trying to be said now yes there is some incredibly dated humor but it's dated and it's doing like there's there's stuff even the stuff that's problematic if it wasn't in here it would be it would be like they were saying something else if it wasn't in there uh so it would be required by it uh specifically the the uh the problematic scene with bud and the uh lady in the bar um and just the overall message of Al being a quote sissy boy. However, it all follows the themes of what we're trying to say. And I think the episode does that quite well. I really liked everything that they kind of threw and the episode moves along very very well. Not a scene is wasted. And all the characters are given a chance to sh- shine. Um we've got we had we even had an appearance of a of Marcy who was directing the episode a funny one too so all in all very very good so yeah 5 out of 5 nice Tyler nice yeah that's great that's awesome um i i struggled myself but again like you Tyler i think i've bumped up my score about half a notch <laughs> Um, so I will toss four 
dummies of Al across the shoes store for this episode. And again, a lot of the reasons you've just touched on. I I I really like this episode and it's season 10 so it's going to be very silly and very wacky as we said at the top. But I remember seeing this episode when it first aired on TV here in Australia. And it's one of those episodes that stuck with me, especially the ending. I always thought, oh, that's such a cool ending. You know, um, it's very satisfying, you know, for a, a teenage viewer and, and even watching it today. So it has nostalgic value for me as well as being, you know, a fairly uh, fun and funny episode as well. Um, there are problems, though. Like we discussed, there are things you could not show today, whether or not they're making fun of these tropes, because the, you know, Bud being assaulted, it today, we look at it today, and, you know, for me, it's, um, I suppose, you know, as a woman, or in today's climate, I don't know what, but it, that's just not funny, but... I can see how back then it was funny and um, if anyone's life is worse than Al, it's going to be Bud. So Bud gets it as much as Al does, if not more. Um, Al's assaulted too, but it's funny because half the joke is seeing his dummy fly across the room like that. And But it, it it's making um, some points about these attitudes and a lot of the people watching this, these episodes, they're probably going to agree with Al or laugh and, and laugh with him or they're going to laugh at him. And... That's why American Children is so appealing, because it does appeal to everybody in a certain way. But they're making fun of these attitudes, and that's always refreshing, and they're just holding up a mirror to all these things. But it's quite late in the show's run, and it's very silly, but it's so much fun. And like I said, it stayed with me from when I first saw it. And now that we are watching it in hindsight, it's very, it's kind of funny to see Peg in a biker bar because now after watching all of Sons of Anarchy and loving her, loving her character and loving that show and then seeing Peg, who's an entirely different person back in this environment, I'm like, she's already used to this. <laughs> Apparently that's something that she was quite comfortable with when she was younger anyway. She had a Harley. There's been some talk, um, like interviews with the cast, how she had a Harley party at the in the first season. Um, Amanda Burst is into Harleys as well. I found something online the other day that said she liked motorbikes. So she directed this episode and it's very tight. It's very, and it, like you say, Tyler, it moves along at a cracking pace. And there's Miranda, and she's always a delight. And everybody gets used well. And, well, everybody gets used, I should say. So, yeah, and I love anything with um, Alan Peck together, as I've mentioned before. So I'll give it a solid four out of five. Well done. Right, so that is it from us this week in the Married with Children podcast nudie bar. Tyler, thank you so much for taking the flight over here and joining us. Always fun. Always fun. Happy to do it. And we had so much fun with you tonight. Yeah, lots. always lots to talk about when, when you're on with us. Next week, Matt and I will be back with another special guest as we review Flight of the Bumblebee where Bud takes on wrestler King Kong Fundy as his initiation into No Man. Oh yeah. That's one of my favourites of this season, that's for sure. But you have to tune in next week to find out. Why? 
Oh, that's going to be fun on the pun. Yes, indeed. So, until next time. Whoa.